0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 201. I am so sick of my chin being up. This week, we're discussing season four, episode two of Angel, Ground State, as well as the broader themes and character development of season three of Battlestar Galactica.
1: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, Angel, uh, episode Mm -hmm. two of season four, Ground State. Um, so we didn't plan to talk about the title at all. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Am I completely missing something? I don't know that I get it. Um, is there some very obvious...
0: The Angel episode type? Yeah. Um, no, I think just like ground as in like a grounded outlet, like electricity, like you ground something. Mm. Um,
1: okay. All right. I, then that's the connection I'm not... I didn't necessarily uh, pick up uh, on.
0: Apparently, um, and this is from the vast encyclopedic knowledge that i have in my computer which is at my fingertips and i it's called wikipedia um there is this uh thing called the grounds i just like to speculate uh, on things
1: without bothering to look up if anybody else has bothered to explain them which which is
0: um well, seeing as you work at an Ivy League school <laughs> in the engineering department, I would expect you to know this. Um, but gra- there is like... Not electrical quantum, engineering. There, well, it's a quantum uh, energy concept of ground state, uh, which, which is the ground state of a quantum mechanical system is its lowest energy state. So um, whether that has anything to do with the themes of the episode, I don't know. Sure. But but a quick Wikipedia search of ground, ground state gives you that. Um, gotcha. So um, apparently, yeah, there are different states of a quantum system and the ground state is that in which it has its lowest energy. But I don't, I mean, yeah, I just think it's like, I've found that, or, like, Buffy titles are sporadic Mm. anyway. I feel like sometimes, like, with sort of their levels of meaning or whatever. And and I feel like Angel is even, like, less, there's, like, even less sort of opportunities in that respect. Like, (sighs) it's just kind of, like, loose things that might sort of, You know, right. have to do with the episode, but I don't know that it's like, like in Buff, it's not like "Lovers Walk" where we could talk ten minutes mm, about it. Right. You know. Yeah. And and where there's sort of like double entendre and and stuff like that. I I mean, maybe or or maybe we've just become jaded in our you know discussions or something, but like I, I just feel like there's less of an opportunity to have those sorts of discussions with Angel. Sure.
1: Yeah. And yeah, maybe that just, they weren't going for um, that kind of double entendre and nuance. They wanted, they Mm -hmm. just didn't sort of bother with that. So that's fair enough. Um, So on to things that are actually like important to talk about. Um, (laughs) uh, Before we get into kind of Gwen as the like, I guess uh, character of the week or kind of guest star of the week um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, wanted to kind of set the stage for why they the, end up
0: the, the freak, of the, freak week. of
1: the week. There you go. Don't call her freak. That's her word. Um, right. My
0: bad. So
1: I guess to like start with the context of why it is that they end up meeting and interacting with her. It's um, the search for Cordy. Um, Mm -hmm. So leading off of the first episode of the season, um, that's Angel's big motivator at the moment is um, Cordy still being missing and his sort of desperation to find her, which not that the others haven't been wanting to find her or looking for her, Um, but he has had this revelation of his feelings for her and so has, I guess even more motivation than they had to do that immediately sure um so he starts um by going to Wesley and it's an interesting scene that I didn't quite pick up on like the the nuance of it the first time that like uh he starts by um you know thanking him for rescue um Mm -hmm. and then saying you know I had a lot of time down there I just want you to know as far as I'm concerned we're okay again um and Wesley's response being to hand him a file of research on Cordy and say like this is what you're really here for um Mm -hmm. so and I don't know maybe I just missed that line or I didn't quite get the implication but like Mm -hmm. The idea that, yeah, like, is Angel even there to reconcile at all? Or to what extent? How high of a priority is that? Um, Like, is Wesley just being... is
0: reconciliation. Reconciliation
1: with Wesley. Like, is Wesley just being completely bitter and jaded about Angel's attitudes? Or is he right in that Angel's kind of making nice to get this intel because he doesn't necessarily like deny it when wesley hands him the folder and says this is what you came here for right he doesn't like like, no 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 no, i really really want to be your friend i had no idea you had all this stuff he's kind of seems like he's expecting it um sure so maybe it's a little bit of both but the fact that like he is kind of um has ulterior motives, you know, or at least like he has more than one motive in going to Wesley and, you know, kind of trying to make peace is interesting.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. And I guess the question becomes like, I mean, I don't know that they're necessarily mutually exclusive, right? but like, would he have gone to Wesley simply to make up? Right. I like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Maybe not.
1: Right. And how, without the, you know, the motivator of looking for Cordy, um, how would he have even been able to have any sort of conversation at all with Wesley? Like how much is he sort of, I feel like even as an audience member, I don't know because of that ulterior motive. I don't really know to what extent this represents Angel's true feelings. Like maybe it right. is both. And maybe, yeah, thank you for saving me. And I do think we're, you know, you you made up for what you did. And we're at least okay, if not good again. Um, or maybe he suspects that Wesley has all this information and hasn't forgiven him, but is completely like holding his tongue and making nice so that, you know, he can get what he wants. Um, So, yeah. And he doesn't necessarily confirm or deny anything at the end of the the scene. So it's sort of left open.
0: I mean, the only thing I would say is that, like, I don't know that we see Angel, like, pretending in that way anywhere else. Right. (laughs) So, like... Like that would be an argument for his sincerity. Mm-hmm. Like even if, even if we if we believe like he also wants the file on Cordy, mm-hmm. like, like he doesn't seem to be that like, like when he wants something, it's more like, hey, give me this thing that you have, you know, rather than like, yeah. pretending to like f- be forgiving and you know conciliatory and or reconciliatory or whatever you know whatever the right term is there and so i guess that would in my mind argue for his sincerity Mm -hmm. in a way without necessarily negating the fact that he also does want the file
1: right right um but yeah, and Wesley right. doesn't necessarily, um, you know, reciprocate too much either. Again, whether he's just jaded and doesn't believe Angel or whether he kind of also is, you know, that's his own uh, bitterness over the relationship, too. He keeps it very, like, business-like of here's your file now. That's that's it. Um, and, like... Yeah, so he has this group of guys that he's leading against, which, like, okay. Like, I don't think we've had any hint of Wesley. He's been such, apart from Lila, been such a loner since this whole thing went down. The fact that he now has this kind of group that he's leading. And Justine. And Justine. Well, yes. (laughs) Um, Apart from his ladies... He's been, he hasn't really had friends. Um, Sure. And not that these random people are necessarily friends either, but it's a group of, it's a group of muscle that he can lead to fight monsters and, you know,
0: do things for him. Well, it's like if he were Harmony, these are his minions,
1: right? Right. (laughs) Right. But like, he's not Harmony. So like, where did he get these minions? And, like, like, sure. who are they? Where did they come from? How did he get hooked up with them? Why does he have the authority to be their leader? Like, these are all, like, unexplained sort of, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you it we, doesn't matter. Cares? Like, it's not there. I mean, they have names, Right. so I guess technically they're not, like, red shirts, but, sure. like, they're kind of just red shirts. Okay. Like, they're, I don't know that it ever becomes important, like, where Wesley's crew comes from or even, like, who they are or anything. Sure. Um, it's just kind of like, it's like in uh, The Wish, like, in The Wishverse, where, like, there's other people that, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're working alongside of and. And that kind of thing. Sure. Um, not Wesley specifically, right. but like the people in the Wishverse.
1: Right. But it's. You know, have like yeah.
0: their own like Scooby crew.
1: Right. Right. But it's, it is his own Scooby crew. It's not like he, they're, they're not. And I think you're confirming. It's not like they're, you know, hooked up with like Wolfram yeah. and Hart or anything in particular. It's like, this is his own group that he sort of. I don't so. You know
0: yeah I mean I don't unless there's something I'm really forgetting no yeah like I think this is like it's like another of like gun's crew right right yeah, before yeah, yeah. he was yeah. part of Angel's, right. you know investigations like it's not um you know it's like fellow travelers in the hunt against evil things, but they're not like yeah necessarily important from like a story standpoint right if that makes sense
1: right other than as they other than they're fighting with
0: wesley and sort of fill in you know as a crew that he can work with you know while he's not working with angel right
1: right and i guess like that is the interesting part is um he's not just this sort of self-exiled or not self-exiled but like actually exiled like loner figure who's you know conflicted but trying to atone for this mistake that he made or whatever that like he's out gathering a crew of some kind and like acting as their leader and Mm -hmm. like fighting monsters and doing research and making things happen and like that kind of implies a certain level of, like, confidence in himself, which is interesting. Like, I guess my impression early on was more of that kind of, like, self-flagellating, like, exile thing. And it's like, that's kind of not anymore. That he's sort of moved on from that phase and into a more proactive, like, I'm, you know, he's not looking to go back with his old crew or his old friends but he's sort of fighting alongside them, just not with them. Um, Right. You know, and he says that later to Lila, like angels necessary for fighting people like you, which kind of implies like, yeah, I'm not necessarily angels ally, but we're like broadly on the same side and I'm continuing in the fight along with him. Um mm-hmm. And it's not that Wesley is conflicted about what side he's on. It's just that he, isn't part of their group um angels group in particular
0: right sure um yeah so which is i mean i've said it before and i'll i'm sure i'll say it again wesley's character arc is one of my favorites Mm -hmm. and so i think this is part of it right like like it's not you could almost see him returning, and and in a way, like when he first is back out on his own, uh, right? Like when we see like Lila finding him in the bar and stuff, right? Like um, you could see him turning back into like early, early Angel Wesley, rogue demon hunter, right. but like
1: minus the humor,
0: my, yeah, like less funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the
1: depressed version of Wesley, the rogue demon hunter. Yeah.
0: Right. But like, but it's kind of interesting that he doesn't, he's not like lone rogue demon hunter. Right. Like he is demon hunter, but it's not, it's not really rogue. It's not like, like rogue has that, you know, highwayman wanderer, mm-hmm. you know, wandering, you know, whatever kind of vibe to it. And it's, it's just not, what he's doing here. He, he has a team and he, and not just has a team, but is leading a team. Mm -hmm. And so there's, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think, um, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know that it matters too much who his team is, just like
1: the fact that he's leading one and is, you know, doing this thing now. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. Um, okay, so Angel gets um the research, and you know, interesting that Wesley has research on Cordy too, which we didn't necessarily know that he has. A, lots of research that he's not sharing with the group, apparently, but he gave it sure. to uh.
0: Interesting, but I don't know. I mean, like, are you surprised by it? Or I
1: mean. I was surprised how... Not surprised. I thought it kind of interesting or notable how he would know broadly where Angel was for months and say nothing to the group. Like, I think that's not insignificant. Um, So, again, Mm -hmm. I find it not insignificant that there's the same thing with Cordy of, like... um, And maybe it is that he doesn't expect them... To react well or doesn't know how they re- would react or he's trying to protect them like he said. But some of it too might just be, again, that Wesley thing of he is doing what he thinks is best and not consulting with the group. Whether or not sure. that's the right decision, that's like a trend, you know, um, of right. like, I I know what... I'm. <laughs> like maybe
0: he hasn't really learned much of a
1: lesson. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Um, and I would think like, fair enough, maybe, okay, maybe when they found angel, he would have said, I've also been searching for Cordy and haven't had luck, but here's what I found out. But like, no, he waits for angel to come to him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it is kind of like a little bit Seek. It's still very secretive, potentially still a little arrogant. I'm not sure. Um, sure. What all motivations to ascribe to it. Um, But, and I think that's one, I think maybe I'll be more interested to look at Wesley's character, kind of in retrospect of where I know it's going, because, because he doesn't talk a lot about, because he's like, largely like a loner. Um, Mm -hmm. it's hard to know all of what he wants and what he's thinking, because he's not talking to the group about it. so it's a sure. bit hard to always figure out, like, why he's making the decisions that he is.
0: Which, as we know in the Buffyverse, um, that's when the best thing yes. happens. when you don't, <laughs> talk, when you don't to talk to your to group.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, okay, he talks to Lila, but, like, he's not telling her everything. And can you always even believe what he tells her? You know, like, consider the audience and everything.
0: Right. Right. Like, that's not... The healthiest of relationships per se right. and and is there right. yeah what how much can you trust that what either of them is saying to the other is right true or valid right
1: right so yeah it's hard to know how hard on him to be for the decision like not <laughs> to share the stuff about Cordy but I guess I found it a little Um, I shouldn't find it surprising at this point, but I think I still did of like, oh, he actually like has been looking for her and, you know, Mm. and like, again, what are his motivations? Is that because she's an old friend and he still cares about her? Or is it because it concerns the higher powers and the cosmic battle of good and evil? And she's a player. And therefore that's what's interesting is it a little bit of both? We don't know because he's just doing what he's doing and keeping his feelings to himself. So, um, that kind of remains to be explored, I guess. Um, sure. so, but he did find out some things, um, and send Angel, uh, to talk to Dinza, who's the dark demigoddess of the lost. Um, who doesn't have Cordy, but, like, maybe might be able to lead Angel into, like, looking in the right direction. Um, yeah, I mean, she's a MacGuffin. She's a MacGuffin. But, you know. She's a cool MacGuffin, though. I really, that's one of my favorite, like, creature designs that they've done. Like, the, Sure. that kind of har- harpy, like... Kind of, mm-hmm. or bat like design is pretty creepy and pretty cool. Um, almost a little sorry they used it on a MacGuffin and not like made it like the centerpiece of an episode or something.
0: Like a, yeah, or right.
1: Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, so she's, you know, this, you know, goddess of lost things.
0: So, um, sorry did i spoil it with the mcguffin comment like no because you kind of know that we're not gonna see her again. no
1: i mean i kind of figured that like yeah, yeah like this is this is the the thing which leads angel to, to access right it's one
0: one of the random demons that just happens to live in the la sewer system yes and, you know
1: helping you find um lost things um um, okay. So, yeah. So he, she sends him to find the axis of Pythia, um, which is funny that Pythia mm-hmm. features in both of these shows. Um, <laughs> sure. But anyway, um, so they find out that the axis is very, very expensive and therefore all the black market people want it. And it's very highly guarded. And People are after it and, you know, want to steal it and they can't ever afford it in auction. So they kind of have to break in and, um, mm-hmm. steal it themselves. Um, so, I mean, I'm not sure I want to get into Gwen and everything. Um, I guess like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny little bit with angels drawing skills versus Fred's, sure. you know, little doodles. Um,
0: I- I know I like I like Fred how how proud Fred is of her little like you know flip chart yeah, you yeah, know yeah. Uh, presentation and then Angel just sort of like keeps whipping up these little sketches that he does. right
1: right well and Fred's such a competent character in many ways that sure. it's kind of funny when she, she's like sort of. Merely okay at something where when Angel kind of suddenly whips out this hidden talent and everything, um, right. So that's right.
0: Cause, well, and because like we've seen Angel's drawings and stuff before. Sure. I mean, even even going back to you know season two of Buffy mm-hmm. with um, you know the drawing of Jenny Calendar mm-hmm. and, and passion, right, right, and and you know just sort of seeing. Like, so we know. So it's not, like, something we've been thinking about. But, yeah, you don't really think about, like, it's kind of a private thing that he does. like, when we've seen it, it's just sort of him doing it, you know, off to the side somewhere by himself. And so you don't really think about the fact that, like, yeah, maybe Fred doesn't know that he has this capability.
1: Yeah, right. That kind of shows her up. Um, But, I mean, I guess the other point of that scene is, like, showing her increased um like leadership role of mm-hmm. she's the one to do i mean her presentation is all the research yeah. about um the axis itself and where it is and how they're going to get to it and then she kind of marches off to make a plan um like on right. her own um and they're kind of like oh look at her go she's grown so much but like she's off doing that like by herself yeah. which kind of you know sets up the, you know, the thing to be paid off later of, you know, her attitude mm-hmm. towards that. But, um... Right. But, yeah, so she comes up with this, like, vault, uh, you know, plan and everything. Mm-hmm. The break-in plan. Um, which brings Fred, us...
0: Spread the mastermind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so that brings us to um Gwen um yes so i think you had something to mention about the actress before we got into the character yeah
0: well and so you i mean you picked <clears throat> up on it too um but yeah i was just going to mention so the actress is alexa davalos or or davalos or i'm not sure how to pronounce it but um davros no <laughs> um uh who Probably is most well-known at this point for playing um, the lead role in The Man in the High Castle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, good production value um, (laughs) show. Sure. I, I don't know that, like, I necessarily have liked how they've taken it. I mean, and, I mean, to be fair, like, I was... I enjoyed to some extent the novel, but it wasn't like my favorite Philip K Dick novel by any means either. So And I have you
1: know. not read the novel. Um but I felt the um, same way about the series of like yeah, it looked it, yeah of like it looked of like great. things
0: <laughs> of like stories of his that had been adapted into right. visual media it's like It's not the strongest. It's it's okay, but it's yeah, not the greatest necessarily. Um but she but i i think she's a fine actress like i think she does a good job in mm-hmm. it um i think she, i i like gwen as a character here i think mm-hmm. uh devalos does a decent job here but yeah i mean more just to mention that yeah. i you know she's been in a few other things um i know she was like in um the chronicles of of riddick mm-hmm. um clash of the titans you know so nothing like like I don't know that she's had any other like real major roles. Um oh, The Mist, uh Stephen King's mm-hmm. The Mist that was uh, mm-hmm. made a few years ago. Um and then you know, and she's had some other TV appearances as well. But um this I believe is sort of her her breakout role anyway. Like um I think she did one or two things before this, but nothing real significant. And um I'll I'll mention that we do see her again mm-hmm. so um you know at least a recurring character if not necessarily a, a main character mm-hmm. here um,
1: yeah. yeah yeah no and and I did recognize her vaguely although it, I couldn't think of from what so it kind of drove me nuts the first time I watched the episode trying to figure out where I knew her from sure. um so yeah so we kind of start with um a flashback to the childhood that's the first scene of the episode right is is mm-hmm. in flashback and yeah, it's
0: the teaser though, uh, right and, and
1: so flashback to the 80s where like everything is kind of washed out in that very like it look, even looks like it was kind of filmed in the 80s like the way the <laughs> sure the light sort of you know glows and everything um so that was kind of funny to see the way they did that um and uh, gives her a very um, x men kind of origin story to me. Um, I mean, like, obviously... Mm-hmm. The,
0: like the school for gifted children. The school for
1: gifted tro- children. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the, like, rogue connection of somebody who can't be touched and therefore mm-hmm. is lives a kind of isolated um, existence, you mm-hmm. know, that they their, their, their closeness is dangerous to people. So it leads to a kind of, um, you know, it separates them from any sort of intimacy from other people. Um, but even like the way that, um, like the use of like the word freak and everything, like in the fact that like, she's sort of outcast by other people and then ends up kind of owning that word and, like embracing Mm -hmm. it and that kind of becomes like her word and, and a thing that she kind of takes a weird kind of pride in, um, Mm -hmm. you know, And like at the end, she's calling the guy like a, a norm, a maggoty little norm that like, so like, (laughs) I guess rather than someone like, like a rogue character who feels isolated and therefore craves that kind of intimacy, she becomes like, kind of hardened by it and you know sees other normal people as kind of boring and lesser and kind of ends up embracing her own like strangeness and everything
0: which nobody else in angel or buffy has that sort of isolation or
1: no no of course not (laughs) no there's no like metaphor here of like yeah Right. a loveless sort of existence um
0: right yeah where you can't get too close or intimate with right. other people or anything right
1: like or that. bad things happen and you hurt them right um, yeah yeah
0: so pretty unique theme among the show. yes
1: yes um so yeah um so that's her kind of Backstory and then we introduce her with the kind of red as her signature colour, you know, to let you know, you know, who she right. is and everything. And she's
0: Right. She trades in like the snowsuit and wellies for Yeah, like the cat suit, yeah. Latex. But right. yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Um Yeah, and like mittens become like the long, like, you know, arm length gloves that like you know. Sure. Um So, yeah, um, comes in very kind of professional and sultry and, you know, very Mm -hmm. kind of mission impossible in her like, you know, professional, uh, professional thief and breaks in with like all this kind of high tech, um, you know, kind of repelling gear and everything. Um, But with this added ability of her you know, electric manipulating powers that help Mm -hmm. her get past laser sensors and, you know, automatic doors and all that kind of thing. Um, which, you know, is helpful if you're a thief, I think. Um,
0: I would assume so. Um,
1: and actually, I mean, I think it works better because I feel like she's maybe more appropriate in this world, but it kind of reminded me of, um, lady christina and doctor who like it's a really similar kind of sure. setup of like yeah let's, i hadn't made that connection let's start yeah. with the like seductive jewel thief and like throw that into the story and see kind of how that interacts with the characters and everything hmm. um but yeah i mean i think this works a little more seamlessly that felt awkward to me um in doctor who but um anyway um. Not that's neither here nor there, but, but it's a, like it's a pretty similar idea, I think.
0: Yeah, I hadn't um, made that connection, but I think I mean, as soon as you said it, I think it makes sense. So.
1: Well, and I think too. I mean, to contrast with that, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, I feel like Gwen is, even though she's really similar in what she does, is, I don't know, easier to like. Because maybe because she's given this backstory as this outcast loner who can't connect Mm -hmm. with people and is afraid of her own abilities and all that. Whereas like Christina was, you know, a rich person who then went around stealing priceless valuables to like just for the just for kicks. Um, And it's sort of like, sure, you know less easy to kind of sympathize Related with to that. Her, yeah. yeah. Um you know, like Gwen has actual like motivation for her like thievery and her life of crime and everything. Right. Um
0: it's not like the boredom of the entitled.
1: Right. Right. You no, know. no, I mean so, it's whatever. It's like her I mean Using her ability to do, like, the fact that she can use her powers, like, in her, you know, profession. Like, what right. else is she going to do with it? She's not going to get, like, a normal job. So there's a sense of, like, sure. her adapting right. to it's either that or and like, everything.
0: Right. It's either that or, like, you know, she works for the electric company repairing the power lines.
1: Right. Right. Which you feel like. Which is every
0: little girl's dream. <laughs>
1: And you feel like even if she tried to do that, it wouldn't really, something would go wrong. Right, it, something would People go- would get yeah. hurt, you know, um, or she would risk kind of exposure and, you know, all that kind of thing of like, whereas like, all right, she can use her powers to steal things for these people in the black market. That kind of suits the like, you know, dangerous nature of who she is and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably why it works a little bit better, but, um, so they, yeah, they meet her in the vault, you know, of course they descend on the axis, like at the same time basically, and then, um, have to try to convince her, uh, to give it to them, which of course she doesn't, um shocking Shocking. and a couple yes not to not to pun on that
0: that was an unintended pun
1: um so yeah i don't i mean we're gonna talk about gun and uh fred in a couple minutes but um yeah yeah she uh she she kills gun for a minute (laughs) you know but she brings it back to she
0: life. She does, yeah. She's not. So I think one of the other things that's likable likeal- about Gwen is is that she does, like, yes, she's, you know, her her inability to connect with others has led her to a life of crime. But, like, it also hasn't completely jaded her necessarily. Right. Like, like you do get the sense that she actually does legitimately want Well, I get the sense. I guess I should ask you, do you also get the sense that she, like, legitimately seems to want to connect with Angel and is, of course, like, disappointed when she finds out, like, oh, of course it's a woman Mm. that you're doing this for? Because, and she makes a joke out of it, you know, because you're so bad at stealing things that, like, it must be for love, right? Sure. But, like, but, like, you get, there's, like, also a sort of wistful chagrin Mm -hmm. or whatever to her you know making jokes there and and that sense of like she kind of wants to flirt with angel and Mm -hmm. like i mean not saying that they're gonna become lifelong partners after meeting in a vault here but like you know there's maybe an attraction and desire and thought so it like there's a sense there where and it doesn't seem like the sort of cynical you know flirtation of other i'm trying to think of like a good example i can't think Mm -hmm. it's not like to stick with the superhero characters or villains or whatever it's not like poison ivy or something right like where there's sort of like a seductress aspect to it like Mm -hmm. It seems like she she's flirtatious and and, like you said, you know um uh sultry and whatnot, but it's not like dangerously so necessarily if that makes sense right
1: well she's like she might be seductive, but it's not like a temptation towards something like she's not using that right. to try to manipulate angel in any way she's just like right, you know. Um, there might there yeah, might be an attraction. Like, I've, yeah,
0: I've got something you want. What are you gonna do to get mm-hmm. it? Kind of thing. But then she finds out like what he's using it for, and it's like, well, yeah, okay, of course, it's for someone else. And like, it's that immediate, like, okay, there's no opportunity for me here.
1: Right. Right. Um, no, and you do get that disappointment at the end of like, you know, it's a bummer that. It, this is right. all for another woman because she would potentially be interested. Um, yeah, right. and, like, you don't have to, um, you know, look very deep to see that she does care about people, um, that she doesn't want to hurt anybody, that, like, you know, <clears throat> what she does to Gun is accidental and she immediately you know, stays to bring right. him back and everything.
0: Well, and has that flashback to the little boy, you know, holding out the Matchbox mm-hmm. card to her. Um,
1: right. So she's, like, you know, uh, n- not the first one we've seen ever, but, like, she's, like, the noble thief, you know? Like, okay, like, sure. like, she's a thief. She's not a murderer. Like, yeah, she... Right does this thing for, you know, to, to survive and to get by and she's good at it. Um, but she doesn't want to hurt people. Um, you know, and has, you know, her isolation hasn't completely stopped her ability to feel compassion, um, or to feel guilt when she, you know, when her powers cause harm. Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact I think the isolation is largely to prevent that from happening. That that's like you know, the fact that she Right, like
0: if the fact that she's she didn't careful care, she wouldn't be so careful yeah, about. It. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, and like her flirtations and her jokes, you know, are you know they're they're defensive in that way of um, keeping everybody just that much at arm's length to not get too close mm-hmm. emotionally to anything. Um but you know you can see that it's um that's pretty superficial. She's not really like a cynical person underneath. Sure. Um So yeah, so, yeah. And so she kills Gun. She kills Gun, <laughs> brings him back. <laughs> um And then, uh, you know, Angel goes off to, you know, try to track her down again and, you know, has to figure out, you know, who her buyer is from Lila and all that. So eventually he, you know, tracks her down again. Um, And then, of course, the buyer is like a sleaze and double crosses her. And um, as they always as they always are, these they should know that about these black market buyers by now um you know but luckily for her angel is trapped with her so it's the kind of combination of you know her electricity and his uh being dead that <laughs> you know um <laughs> allow them to sort of escape from sure the trap and everything um and like i mean i guess as as and, long as we're it in is the that realm combination
0: of it's metaphor it's, it's not mm, I was going to say, and it is that combination, right? It's not, it, like, it's not a damsel in distress or anything. No. Like, it's not like Angel comes and saves her. It's like they have to work together right. to like, get out of it.
1: Right. Um, <clears throat> and I guess as long as we're continuing in the realm of, like, the metaphor of the isolation and everything, the fact that, like, when she touches him, he, you know, it starts his heart for a minute. That, like, there's, sure. like, she brings him alive for a minute in a way that he's not normally. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think you can take that right. as far as you want to. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, and and again, on both sides, like, that is something that she can't normally do, like touch people without killing them. Um, but then for well, him, yeah, that- like, who else can do that? You know, that's a well, kind of unique effect. So
0: and And not only touching him like not only does she can not only can she not normally touch people without killing them, but like it's it's literally the opposite effect of it brings him life more to life right by doing it like that's yeah, completely unique to her experience right um right which yeah, like if you take that on a metaphorical level, it's like i mean it is kind of like not that like. So I said, we'll see Gwen later. I don't want to, like, imply anything about their relationship mm-hmm. one way or the other or whatever. But, like, like there is that thing of, like, that attraction of, like, that, that person who maybe, you know, you never thought you could connect with anyone on a particular level. And then you right. find someone who you do connect with on right. a particular level. And it's, like you just never, it never occurred to you that there might be someone out there who could do that. Right. And and now here she is. Right. Touching someone and in a way that she never has before. Like not, not to get to like (laughs) whatever with it, but. Right.
1: Right. And like on the like literal level of the story, like potentially, you know, the only people that each of them, you know, could be with and, Find that kind of completeness without it being harmful to somebody else. Like, you know, oh, they actually could be together and like, have it be okay if they wanted to, um, Mm -hmm. which they couldn't necessarily say about anybody else. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, again, hence her disappointment when she kind of says like, oh, bummer, it's all for love for somebody else because... They are suited in a particular way. Um,
0: so yeah, or and at least potentially, potentially. Right. Right. Like I mean, yeah. again, it's like you know, thirty seconds in an elevator, but like right. or a right. vault or whatever. Like right. you know, right? Th- it's, in it's terms just of their circumstances, of the, yeah. The, the the potential and and you know the sort of imaginative aspect of of what could be the the subjunctive worldness of mm-hmm. it. Yes. Uh if I might refer to myself. Yes. Um quote
1: quote your own terms. Um sure. nothing wrong a with drug that. Desert, so. um. Yeah. Um and so <laughs> she gives or at least lends him the access of Pythia to use, you know, and that's kind of her yeah. her active well, her I mean, final she, act of, she
0: lost the buyer too, so well, like sure.
1: Like, sure, it, but you know, she doesn't. Where, she doesn't do the like, you know, petty thief thing of, that's mine, like, and I'm buy, gonna go buy it from me. Or, yeah, or yeah. try to take it to sell to somebody else. Like at least, you know, that's you know her final kind of act of compassion of the episode is of you know, letting him take it and use mm-hmm. it to go find his love. Um, sure. So, yeah. Um, Which he does and Mm. actually correctly, somewhat, figures out what happened to Cordy. Um, At least on a kind of... Yeah,
0: at least like a surface level. Like
1: a a purely superficial, what physically happened to her uh, was that she ascended into this higher plane, which is what we were told would happen. Um, And he very wistfully and sadly tells the others about um, the the joy that surely must be surrounding her at every A, moment, accompanying the, the cloud her glow, of yeah. bliss that is her life um, and how he'll miss her, but it's worth it to know that she is in this better place and doing good and on his side and where she belongs and all this beautiful stuff. Um which he has, again... Which is completely accurate yes.
0: depiction of how Cordy's... In
1: stopped. no way <laughs> projecting wish fulfillment onto what he, you know, learned. Um, right. So, yeah, again, he has it right in the superficials, but clearly knows nothing about her actual state of being because, you know, it cuts to her and she's still begging you know last time she said she was bored this time she's begging him to get her out of there so i guess she can hear him um but can't yeah, necessarily that, like, she... communicate with him
0: yeah or if she can she doesn't know how to yeah yeah
1: right right so um Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the context of something else before we started recording, we were talking about how like angst and drama are inherent to like story and how that's like largely what makes them worth engaging with. Like if everybody's just sort of well adjusted and happy all the time, that's not the most interesting story um and i feel like i feel like that's cordy's cordy's buyer's remorse here is like wait a minute (laughs) ascending to a higher plane right to be a being of pure joy um and and omniscient and all-powerful or whatever isn't maybe all it's cracked up to be
0: um well and and seemingly not omniscient right because like she can't get out of there well sure can't like communicate with or doesn't know how to communicate or right. whatever, like right. with people. So that's like that's a good point. Like maybe maybe not quite as you know what it
1: powerful as she thought was um, uh yeah.
0: cracked up the yeah be. Yeah, like,
1: yeah.
0: Spike may have done or Spike. Man, I keep doing that. Skip might have done a bit of a snow job. Mm. Um I mean I, like I'm not saying that. Yeah. One way or another, I'm just saying like potentially, like yeah. like she maybe yeah thought uh, things would be quite a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like, and like that idea of like like okay, she's a higher being, but she hasn't like she's still who she is, right? Right? Like like nothing about her personality or whatever has apparently changed. It's just that now she's on this different plane of existence. Right,
1: right. Which begs the question, do the other higher beings feel the same way? Or is that Corey's sure. reaction to this situation? Um.
0: Right, like, right. If <laughs> So this, like, um, brings up the idea of, like, the gods in the magicians TV show. <laughs> I'm so right, bored. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, well, just like, right, like, that idea yeah. of, like, they might be gods, but that doesn't mean they're good people. Right. 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 <laughs> or, or that they're, you know, don't have, like, emotion and, yeah. you know, uh, petulance and whatever. You know. Well, and that's a that very kind but,
1: of, like, pagan pantheon idea of, like, how much of the, the Norse or the Greek gods is them messing with people. Like sure. for petty reasons, or just out of sheer boredom, or because they feel like it. Um, yeah.
0: Know. Well, right. So, like, the, like the other show that then comes to mind is is American Gods, right? right? That's on right, right now. Of like, uh, what is it? The Leprechaun guy who who's like, that's what gods do. They right. mess with you. Right. Like, right. that's literally that's what gods. What are.
1: makes them gods? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, right. So. Rather than a kind of, you know, not to say anything about like Angel or the Buffy versus like, you know, theolo- theological conception or worldview or whatever, but like rather than looking at the higher beings as moral forces of good, um, this does mm-hmm. kind of suggest there could be some more humanity to their personalities and their motivations that there could be we don't know about the the other higher beings are they all like cordy like mortals who have ascended um or is she more unique in that way are they really like uh, spiritual beings to begin with or demigods or whatever but it at least suggests the idea that how much of the cosmic conflict might be just out of pettiness and boredom and you know sure those correct. kinds of things and well, we don't or, know because they're higher beings they're up there like you know you know we don't.
0: and we've talked about like the senior partners before like are they is it is this just like are, is this a are the higher beings just like senior partners but like in a different law firm or something right. Like, like right you know, is it even like, good
1: and evil is it like we're gonna come down to right. warring Maybe factions they're just like,
0: of competing organizations or something yeah like who knows right could be any of those things it could be all of those things in a way Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i mean and yeah and that's not necessarily like i don't even necessarily need to apply that like the higher powers aren't good because i think Mm. i mean if we're if we trust that like the visions and stuff did come from the higher powers and that those generally do show people in need of help, you know, and that kind of thing, then, like, I think you can at least attribute, like, some good uh, sensibility or or desire to that aspect of it. But that doesn't mean they're, like, perfect or, you know, you know, or that they don't have human, you know, emotions and thoughts and feelings like you Mm -hmm. said um and yeah and and maybe they are like cordy where they're they've been transformed somehow and actually are humans or other other beings but like you know more of like the corporeal demons than like the spiritual demons (laughs) yeah yeah um you know more more like clem ascended than you know (laughs) uh whatever um I'm just throwing stuff out here. I'm not saying one way or the other that any of this is true. I could be leading you on a completely Mm -hmm. red herring case here. But I mean, I do think it, I think it's interesting because I I do think with, with Angel more so than Buffy, you get into some of those theological esque, you know, questions and stuff. And, and I I find them interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, no. You know, thinking about what sort of the na- the nature of the higher being and who they are and what they do and and what are their motivations and limitations and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that aspect of the world building. Uh, when you get it, and and you know you don't always get it, but when you do, it's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's amazing how much you can suggest about it with, like, one line of (laughs) Cordy's. Like, not that it it doesn't tell you anything, but it suggests, it sets your mind going in terms of, all right, right. what could this mean, and trying to figure it out. Um, You know, not that I want that to continue, like, forever, but, like, at least for the first couple episodes, I think... The power of suggestion is pretty strong with that, mm-hmm. um, and just the humor and the irony of Angel's kind of wistful acceptance of her new home, you know, is mm. kind of funny because they're are they going to stop looking for her now she's stuck there, <laughs> and they're going to like
0: right and now they like think she's happy accept and
1: accepted and move on. <laughs> And so how does she get out of that situation? That's kind of, you know, the next phase of the story, I guess. Um, So, you know, there's something kind of very suitably courty about that of like, (laughs) you know, she's found her purpose and now is completely regretting it, but is stuck there. And there's something kind of funny about that. Um, Sure. Okay. All right. Moving on to Fred and Gunn. Um, I mean, I don't have a ton for Gunn particularly other than his death and rebirth, um, which is important, but like, he can't do a whole lot about that. It's mostly like done to him. Um, and he kind of shrugs it off. Like, Hey, you know, it worked out. Don't like think about it too hard. um, Whereas like Which I
0: feel is like very in line with her. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah you, it, he's not the sit back. Not the most plate guy.
1: introspective um fellow. Um and Fred has, you know, a, a bit of an emotional breakdown over it, although very much set up by the strain she's under leading up to it. So it's not just her fear over what might have happened to gun. It's all the rest of the stuff that she's dealing with. And she goes on a big mm-hmm. long monologue about how she's really the only one holding things together. Um, sure. You know, taking care of everything and paying bills and making peace and keeping my chin up. And God, I'm so sick of my chin being up and feeling like if she doesn't be the one to do everything, no one else is going to do any of it. And the whole thing will just sort of collapse. Um, Which may or may not be true. I think she has a point. I think it might be true. Um, I mean, Gunn is there too. I don't think he abandoned her over the summer while they were looking for Angel. Um, But and I don't know that it's anybody's fault necessarily. Um, But I think it's hard to deny that she has been taking on a lot of the responsibility for the whole team. And so right or wrong, that has got to her and she's, you know, Mm -hmm. got to the point of she's about at the limit of what she can handle. Um, Yeah. Especially if, you know, Gunn and the others go dying on her. That's more than what she can handle.
0: Yeah, and Gunn's reaction is pretty disappointing,
1: the, especially too, the think. line about the, this the is some thing. like yeah. woman thing. Which, like, we were having this discussion. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not a realistic reaction. Like, not sure. the first time a woman's emotional response has been written off as like whatever histrionic, to use a gendered term, but like still like yeah come on gun like give her a little more credit than that um and maybe that's part of his cavalier kind of let's not think too deeply about what happened because it's scary um mm-hmm. like he did just die and maybe his coping mechanism is to not talk about it so Try right, to or
0: right, blow it off as like not a big deal.
1: Right, and shift the change the subject like, and yeah. you're overreacting and all that kind of thing.
0: Right. It's it's not that it was actually dangerous. You're you're making a mountain out of molehill right. kind of thing. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Which, you know, I think that's a thing that is sometimes a a convenient and oft used line when dealing with somebody, but you know, women, I think maybe in particular who are having an emotional response to stress. Um,
0: Sure. And, and I mean, like he died. (laughs) It's not like, it's not like Fred is out of line here to say like, you, the thing you're doing is dangerous you died like but not you could have died you, you literally did. were yes. dead like yeah if there's anything that's not an overreaction it's when somebody dies like right. <laughs> right right
1: yeah so i think her reaction is pretty uh expected actually um
0: right yeah sure
1: so so take that gun. Take that gun. How dare you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Anything else for Fred and Gunn that I didn't... I mean, I think that's the big, that's no, the big mean, scene.
0: I, right. The big one with them is, you know, between flip chart and uh, their conversation, yeah.
1: And I think just in general, you see Fred's patience is pretty thin at this point, like we saw that with Connor, that she took his betrayal the most yeah. personally. And there's thing like there's a severity here that's new for her of saying, um, you know, that ungrateful snot of a son of yours and yelling at mm-hmm. Dennis like, Oh, she's not coming back. Like she's yeah. short of t-
0: Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the fact that Courtney's uh, And right,
1: they're cleaning out her apartment. Cleaning it so Fred is short of temper. Um, in the last couple of episodes, which again, I think is justified, but also unusual for her character.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Or new, if not unusual. Like it's a new...
0: Yeah. And so it makes me wonder, like when she was in like Pylea, like how how did she react to stress there? Mm Because it seems like like, the impression that we get, or I think that we get, is that, like, she was handling things relatively well there. I mean, psychologically, she had some she issues. She went a little, went, you know. little crazy, but, but like, yeah. But, like, she didn't seem to be, like... And, again, not to say that she's not necessarily... Hand, like, she's doing all the things, but getting very stressed out about doing it.
1: Well, and I think... I feel like it's that maybe to go back to the theme of isolation, it's the addition of people that makes it harder because when you're.
0: They're the worst.
1: (laughs) But that's the good thing is like when it's her alone, that might be lonely, but she only had herself to worry about. Whereas here she's it's the thought of losing gun and it's the weight of, of supporting everybody else in the group. That's different. That it's not just about yeah. being competent and surviving herself, but feeling like she needs to be the protector of all of these other people who aren't mm. doing a very good job of taking care of themselves. In her point of view, um, and they're getting, they're going missing, they're getting killed, they're not being around to help and support her. They're not paying bills or not doing all this stuff that then she has to like pick up the slack on that. Yeah, Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, we're just a little over time. So we'll try to go quick with the last couple. Um, Wesley and Lila, I mean, we kind of talked about them separately a little bit. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, they're still sleeping together. Yes,
1: and Lila found out about Justine, so there's that. Um.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, how long she's known. Mm. Like, how long did she... Like, like, did she know when Justine was, like, locked up in the closet, or was it, like, an after-the-fact
1: thing? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't Maybe know that we either. find it out, but it, it, it it's that thing of so we were talking about this earlier too right like uh, before we started recording of like sometimes you just don't get answers to these sorts of questions and you have to kind of be okay with it right um and not that it's necessarily even a terribly important question but just that thing of like it does make you wonder like how much does lila know because like there are times where it seems like she knows nothing but then like she
1: walks into a staff
0: meeting and cuts off her boss's head, right. you know, and it's like, right. Like, so
1: she's good at acting like she doesn't know.
0: You can't assume that she actually does know nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Right. And we, speaking of her knowing things, we get her actively like spying on Connor and tracking him. Um, mm-hmm. Which just to mention him briefly, he's sort of wandering the streets, homeless. So he's not yeah, he's really sort of like, connected with anybody.
0: He sort of had like a dazed look about him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always, I like, I've always thought sort of in, at this point in the show, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, and maybe that, uh, you know, maybe it's a virtue of being a teenager who's homeless. You know, got kicked out of his house. He doesn't really know what to do with himself. <laughs> right, right. Um. But yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But- and and also. Well, then, so the other side of that too is then like Angel knowing where to find her and find Connor, because like you get the sense that like, like Angel probably has been keeping tabs on Connor as well. Yeah. You, I would. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. We don't. Get that explicitly but like so the question is like did he do that by keeping tabs on lila directly or did his like keeping tabs on connor give him insight as to where lila would be <laughs> like right
1: <laughs> um right yeah, yeah. And, and again I, it, it could be either one um i think they're both sure. plausible um but yeah i mean tracking Connor makes sense because it's very clear from this episode and the last one that Angel pretty much forgives him. Um, He may not trust him and he might feel like he can't be living with them um, and maybe needs to find his own way and learn the hard way and come to his own conclusions. And so he has to, leave and not be there. But mm-hmm. he makes it, he makes a bunch of allusions to the fact that he's, he was misled and he was confused and he needs to have time to figure things out. Um, so he's tracking him and will be ready when Connor's ready. I think that's kind of the impression is mm. when he feels like Connor's ready to come back to the fold. Um, Angel, well, is just sort of waiting for that moment. Um, And threatens Lila if she makes a move on him, you know, so still protecting him as well. Um,
0: Threatens, but also sort of like blackmails her. Sure. Right, like into helping him out in this situation. Right,
1: again, he has multiple motivations. In a given scene, you know, like protecting Connor, but also getting what he, what he wants, um, you know, about the axis and Gwen's Mm -hmm. buyer and everything. Um, so he's kind of going around killing all sorts of birds with one stone. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay.
0: So so yeah, I mean. I mean, the upshot is we they know where Cordy is now. Yes. Whether they're going to do anything about it, <laughs> right, is is sort of the the question, question yeah, of the week. Yeah. Um. And it, like and, like, what could they do? Right. Like, I guess that's even a question that needs to be asked before.
1: Right, right. and what can she do?
0: Oh well, could she right?
1: Uh yeah, that's a that's a totally open question at this point.
0: So, yeah. Um so yeah, so that's kind of where we are with them, I guess. All right. Cool. So now we're uh we, we should move on though to uh PSG. Yeah. Uh, talk about um What season are we in again? No, three. <laughs> season three. Um and some of the themes here, but I think you were, so we were going to do our favorite episodes first, or were you, did you want to do like the awards and stuff first? I know we are going to switch it up from time to time.
1: Um, well, I don't know. We were going to do episodes first, Um so I guess we can stick with that, although it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, that's fine. Um
0: So it's your turn. It, I feel like it's been a really long time since you gotten to pick first. And I don't know why that is. You're telling
1: me. Um, I don't think
0: if I've usurped it, it's been unintentional.
1: No, I think it's because we switch off. And so if the shows are alternating, sometimes you get on a schedule where it's my, it's your turn for both of the shows. And then, so I have to feel like I have to wait a long time. Um, So I think we figured out that it was my turn to go first. Um, So I do get first pick. Um, and, uh, so I picked collaborators, um, which is, I think my favorite of the season and one of my favorites of the series. Sorry, my cat's biting my feet. So I'm trying to climb up on my chair here. Um, uh, I also kind of said though, that like, you know, a lot of times we use these favorite episodes to talk about broader aspects of the season. Um and so I feel like I could have easily chosen any of the New Caprica episodes. Um sure. You know, and I've said before that you know that arc is one of my favorites if not my favorite kind of section of the show. Um and so any of them really would kind of serve to talk about that. Um but I guess Why do I like collaborators? I think, I like the way that it, I I don't don't know, know. I'm thinking about trying to articulate why I would choose that one in particular and I think, I like the way that it bridges the gap between the stuff that happens like on the planet to what comes afterwards of all of the Mm. kind of collective PTSD that the crew has. Um, And so it's kind of I think a really interesting way of wrapping up that storyline on, of the exodus and the rescue um, while also setting up some of the, some of the ideas that things aren't just better as soon as they make it off the planet, that these are issues that are going to continue for the rest of the season and the rest of the series, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And you get multiple points of view and reactions to that Um, the way that like the circle have a spectrum of uh, levels of how messed up they are. Um, Sure. You know, so even within the ones who react in anger do so for different reasons and to different degrees, Um, you know, with kind of, starbuck and Ty at one end and maybe like sam and Tyrrell at the other um but it doesn't do it in a way right. that just lets sam and tyrell off the hook either like i think the fact that even the more reasonable and sympathetic of the circle members they're still in the circle um they're still voting to try and execute people without due process um but I think it's sure. just handled really carefully because at the same time, you've seen what they've been through. And if you can't endorse what they do, at least I think you can understand why they would. You can kind of imagine yourself into a situation where you've been through a trauma and you're convinced of the guilt of somebody. And, you know, if you have Zarek in your ear talking about, the farcical nature of the law and all that kind of thing. Then maybe you do get to a place where you feel like it's better to take care of things quickly and quietly and without fuss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it presents sure. that in a convincing way without ever feeling like it. It really endorses or approves of what they do, um, right? And I mean, and I think it, the spectrum, it treats the, like the victim is in the same way. Like, I think you feel a lot of sympathy for jammer in that episode, even though he's been yeah. the one who really was kind of a turncoat. And again, for some somewhat sympathetic reasons, but he was actually guilty of the things that they're accusing him of. Um, So that kind of complicates things. Um, And, you know, with Gaeta at the other end of that, of someone who's innocent of what he's being accused of, but went through things that have him convinced of his own guilt and is, like, kind of, therefore at least half okay with the whole thing. Um, It's just a very, Mm -hmm. like, emotionally messy scenario. Um, that I think they handle really well. Um, and it kind of ends with some forgiveness and some kind of, okay, we we got over this crisis, but still a sense of, okay, this is unresolved and people are still, you know, like Rosalind pardoned the collaborators, but this is maybe a temporary fix. This isn't going to solve all of our psychological problems. <laughs> Um, right, And, you know, maybe all of them haven't even begun to resolve their psychological problems that like, that's not even, uh, that's some kind of something that's left for the future and everything. Um, I mean, and I've talked about, I really like Gaeta's character and everything. And I feel like it's a really good episode for him and... um and I feel sure. like kind of like how you've spoken about Anya's speech in the body as kind of a central point for you. Hmm. I feel like that's kind of this episode like, functions that way for me. Like this is kind of maybe the defining sense or
0: whatever. Yeah.
1: And like the way in which like everything kind of leads into and out of it, both the good and the bad. So the fact that like, I mean, the noble aspects of the fact that he does do the right thing as much as he can and spies on the Cylons and puts himself in danger for the sake of the others. And even at the end of the day, doesn't believe that he really did all that he could. um, Even though that's clearly not true. Like that's kind of the best aspect. But on the other hand, I feel like there's also continuity between this and where the season ends with lying on the stand and how that becomes yeah. a kind of he's perpetuating things that were done to him of uh scapegoating Baltar rather than, you know, uh, trusting in the system too even if it lets him go just understanding that it's not his place, it's not Gata's place to be judge, jury, and executioner of somebody. Um, So it kind of also sets up, like, a darker side of the character than I think we've seen before. So I like the way that it kind of acts as a sort of pivot point for that. Um, So, yeah.
0: Cool. Well, and so that leads right into the episodes I picked the episode uh well i mean i picked the two part finale mm-hmm. right which um one of one of the you know which constitutes primarily the trial and i mean we just talked about it so i don't even know that we need to go into a ton of it but i think i think you're right like the the collaborators does set up a lot of the stuff that comes into here with the forgiveness and you know Lee's speech like like all right if you if you have if you bring up Gator's speech then you have to bring up Lee's speech Mm -hmm. right like here yeah which is all about that forgiveness and Mm -hmm. the fact that so many people give forgiveness and and he even has that parallel in so far as like Lee's also like someone who thinks he's not good enough or should have done more or Mm -hmm. you know what like that's the whole thing like like, yeah, he he brings up, like, other people who were forgiven, but, like, spends more time on, like, his own mm-hmm. terrible actions than really anyone. And sort of his own inadequacies, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's really what it comes down to. Um,
1: yeah, maybe that's a hallmark of some of the, the best people are the ones that feel like they could have done more, they didn't do enough. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: That sense of however good you are, it's not good right. enough. It's that, yeah.
0: It's like that Schindler's List, right. you know, moment right. of like, I had this wristwatch I could have sold right. to help more people right. kind of right. thing. Um, or whatever it is. I don't even remember.
1: Right. It's exactly the, how that It's goes. that but humility. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so like, like I think you're right, like the a, a lot of the themes that come up in the end and, and continue throughout, but maybe get lost a little bit in the middle there. And we'll, we can talk about some of the middle episodes too, but, um, you know, I do think get pulled back out in, in the trial particularly, but then also like, um, give some new weight with the revelation at the end of crossroads with the final five, which is, mm. you know, yeah uh you know we get in in some of that middle like after exodus you know the scenes where we have baltar on uh the cylon ship and stuff like there's that question of like am i one of the cylons uh is who who are the final five like kind of building up Slowly, but sort of steadily, that, that mythology of the final five and who they might be and, and what their significance is or could be, which no one, even including the Cylons themselves, you know, seem to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of wrapped into that is all of, you know, the stuff with Hera, too, as sort of the next, next gen, mm-hmm. you know, human Cylon hybrid. Whatever, not hybrid, because that's the hybrid's a different thing, yeah. but like you know, the yeah, the next generation or whatever. Um, so Crossroads, um, I think two brings up so, so we you mentioned that we didn't really talk about the title of the Buffy episode. I don't, know, did we ever, or the excuse me, the angel episode? Oh, we never. We never really talked about the titles for Crossroads you? No,
1: I guess we didn't.
0: And and I guess, I mean, some of that is just like like the the what is it that I- the Ionian Nebula, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like another waypoint, like another marker, right, on the way to Earth. And I feel like a lot of the end of this season, well, and and season three as a whole, maybe even, is about that you know getting back on the right track mm-hmm. which if you have a crossroads you know like a literal crossroads right where where roads actually cross each other like it is that thing of like are we going in the right direction you know which way should we go and so there's that sort of literal aspect of like trying to find earth and getting back on the right track to do that um but of course there's a lot of like the metaphorical Mm -hmm. decision-making too, about like, you know, we're at a crossroad. Like, like I get, uh, you get that in, in the episode crossroads, but even like in the season with like, the sun also rises, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's Lee making that decision to be who he's going to be. Um, it's Kara even like coming to grips with her death and, purpose and whatever that is um right including reappearing at the end of the season and right which clearly um, has
1: consequences even though we don't know what they are yet exactly but like that acceptance led to something very significant
0: right right it right it's that you know crossroads as a decision point yeah you know in which you have to figure out and and then confidently move forward, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever decision you wind up making. Um, well, and that's kind of which you also see. Sorry, I was yeah, just yeah. going to say what you also see in the final five with Ty mm-hmm. and and you know saying like I'm I'm Saul Ty and that's who I always have been. I'm a you know uh, officer in the in the fleet and that's just who I am and that's who I'll always be and as despicable as Ty can be at sometimes, that's, like, the admirable part of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, we talked about that it's not just, like, he's not the only one who sort of makes that decision. You know, you have Tori going back and saying, you know, I'm here if you need anything. And you've got the Chief and Sam going back down to the deck to do their respective things. And, and fit into their place so you know um and i'm sure we could probably go through a bunch of other characters too and and do a similar sort of thing but i think that's a lot of what this season as a whole is is that getting back on track and and bringing you to the crossroads to make that decision Mm -hmm. of you know where we need to go next and and what we need to do right you know to get to earth to survive as a people to move beyond the debacle that was New Caprica Mm -hmm. um, and all of that.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Any any other thoughts about the favorite episodes before we maybe talk about a few other things? Um, I mean, I know I kind of wrapped in some of the stuff we were going to talk about, like sure. Hera and Starbuck and yeah, whatever. I mean, there might be more to say about them, but
1: no, I mean, I guess just generally, um, I mean, I think these are these episodes are good, uh, examples of this, but um, I guess examples of things that are specifically more season three concerns that, like, I would not want. To say and would be disappointed if it was like, oh, New Caprica never matters after this or whatever. And that's not true. That would be dumb. And they don't do that. Like, clearly, you know. Right. what? There's consequences. The, the consequences so, and yeah. the character things continue. But that being said, season three is very much about New Caprica and the fallout of the Cylon occupation the attitudes towards what all happened there. And then mm-hmm. eventually the, the question of what do we do about Baltar? Like that's the arc of season three. Um, And yeah, I guess like these episodes we picked are some of the best of the season because they really are concerned with that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, yeah, we'll talk about the kinds of things that they're setting up which are more so the concerns of season four and like specifically the fact that it's the final season, um, Mm -hmm. which I don't think are unimportant this season, but they're sort of still being set up and teased. They're not fully, um, taking center stage until, uh, season four. Um, so, but maybe before we talk about that, should we talk about the less successful aspects of, um, season three, Um, because I think, I think maybe to some extent or other, maybe people vary on the the degree, but I think there is a kind of general sense that uh, the beginning and the end of the season are strong. And then there's a kind of maybe a low somewhere in the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, you brought this up. So go ahead and say what uh, you're Yeah, thinking. I don't, I mean,
0: I don't know. I mean, I, you've got 20 episodes to fill. They're not all going to be winners. Yep. Um, I do feel like, uh, there's sort of a, a spate of, um, uh, uh, like, the Woman King, mm-hmm. Day in the Life, and Dirty Hands that are all kind of, like, eh, mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, they're kind of, like, slice of life in the fleet mm-hmm. episodes. And I don't want to say they're pointless, because mm-hmm. I don't think that's true either, but they're also, I don't know, I, I guess with BSG, I always sort of like the bigger picture sort of mythological stuff. And, and this just like, like if there, if there had been better ways to maybe mix in those slice of life things with the bigger picture stuff, I think those episodes would have been better. Um, But they just never really do. Um, Like the introduction of Dogtown, which just, just kind of out of the blue. And and the idea of Hilo being sort of the jack-of-all-trades, like, almost becomes ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, it almost reaches a, a point where it's just like, okay, really now? Like, right. Is is he just, like, is he going to, like, the unemployment office every day and just getting, like, that day's assignment? Yeah. Um, you know, one day he's CAG and the next he's running Dogville or, yeah. you know, whatever they call he's a, it. And he's like, a temp.
1: He's a, he's a professional yeah, temp. Basically.
0: Yeah, basically. But like he's also like a captain. Right. So like Right. These are very does, high positions
1: he's holding. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that does that just doesn't jive with yeah. me. Yeah. Um Yeah, and then like and then like the next day he's like XO. <laughs> so it's just I don't know. Yeah. Like so some of that like I feel like is just, you know, whatever. Um I also like I actually I feel like well, like we've talked about this like a little bit. Um, some of those episodes, the the writing is in, inconsistent with some of the characters, mm-hmm. like with Dee mm-hmm. and and um, uh, oh, who else am I thinking of that that I think we brought up at the time? Was it um, was it in the Woman King where we talked about where some of the characterization? Like, wasn't yeah. there like one episode where like it's like when they're Dee in the ball and, the bar Lee, like,
1: and- get
0: yeah. get into like a big fight or something and then it's like they're all like happy and laughing and right
1: right well know, yeah like, cuz it's i think taking a break from all your worries is where they're like almost breaking up and they're having their tearful reunion and confession and everything and then the next one they're like playing games in the bar um
0: right with like starbuck and sam like right, right over there the yeah, way. yeah 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 So I, you know, like, and I, so I think some of it's just the writing Mm -hmm. and stuff, but, but also I think, yeah, just for me, the, um, the the sort of slice of life stories are less interesting when they're not like part of maybe the bigger mythology. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think by and large, I don't think this show is very good at standalone episodes, um, because I had the same frustration. That's my frustration with season two is that back half stretch of mm-hmm. random things of what else is going on in the fleet. And it, it is kind of like, who cares? Right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. not Yeah. To yeah say there's that.
0: a black, no, like the black market. Yeah. The you black know, market and, and, um
1: terrorists taking over like the hostages of, of things. And like, it's just like, yeah. Um, I think, which is frustrating. I I find season two a little bit of a lower low than season three, but what's frustrating about season three is you feel like they didn't learn the lesson (laughs) of like, (laughs) it's the exact same point in the season of like, heading towards the end of the season where they just shove in a bunch of like standalone slice of life episodes um Mm -hmm. none of which really work and it's like yeah i think the mythological ones and the ones that really um use the whole ensemble not that there can't be particular characters who take the lead but um Mm -hmm. but i feel like the show works better when they're using um as much of the, the cast as they can and having stories that are a bit more significant to, like, the ongoing arcs and everything. Um,
0: right. Yeah. Whether
1: or not that has to be the way it is, that's, I think, just what they're better at for whatever reason. Um, you know, so, It yeah. just
0: seems like they put more thought into it. I mean, what you would have yeah, to. Yeah, sure. This, the mythological stuff, right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's yeah, maybe if they'd had a writer who was good at and put a lot of thought into some standalone episodes, um, they could have been a little bit more successful, but maybe they do feel a little bit throwaway and not very well integrated with the ongoing characterizations um, Mm -hmm. and the story arcs and everything. Uh, So they kind of when you have really good ongoing arcs, then to finally kind of bump into an episode where, like The Woman King, where everybody is sort of acting out of character is, like, jarring, I think. Yeah. Um.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we need to belabor it, but that's sort of... Yeah. You know, disappointing and, mm-hmm. and whatever, and, you know, we got through it, and yeah. and we'll move on. Well, and I
1: think... <laughs> we can talk about if season four has its own kinds of flaws, but um, I feel like they get like going into the last season, you definitely don't get any like slice of life episodes. Cause it's like, all right, we're into this. There's like no time for 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 it. Everything is, is arc driven of either mythology or plot or character of some kind of like, we're Mm -hmm. paying off big, you know final endpoints for all of these different strands um and so sure. you. i don't think in my memory i don't think season four has any of ones like black market or the woman king where you're like what was the point of that and why did they even do that um
0: yeah
1: like whether or not we'll talk about i'm sure whether what they always do is successful, but at least they're not repeating that same mistake. Um, So, um, so, I mean, I guess that kind of ties into the couple notes I had about reception. Um, I, I feel like um, the, the, sense i have from reading reviews or you know googling things or blog posts or whatever is that you know this season is seen as somewhat uneven um probably because of the push and pull of how strong the opening and the ending are and how kind mm-hmm. of middling it gets in that middle section um mm-hmm. and i think it, it Definitely as a season got positive reviews and uh, Chicago Tribune, Entertainment Weekly, Newsday, New York Times and TV Guide all put it in their top 10 of the season. So it wasn't seen as a failure, obviously. And I think uh, New Caprica and the storylines that it generated are a big reason for that, that it makes up for some of the weaker episodes that they had such a strong premise behind the season. Um, so, um, you know, and I think, I mean, we talked about too, I think there can be frustration with the like Lee, Kara, Sam and D dynamic as well. Um, doesn't always help things. Um, although I think there are, I, I mean, unfinished business is another one I would put up near the top. Um, and that's the the boxing one. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is... I
0: had to think about that for a second, but yeah.
1: I think that's one of the strongest ones of the season. Um sure. But, I mean, I think it's a very clearly defined episode that does a lot of interesting and specific things. And it has something to say and it's well done. And that's the difference between that and something like, you know, The Woman King or something else that feels... A little bit less well defined in the characterizations and everything mm-hmm. um so i think i think that romantic storyline can be done well i just don't know that it always is um sure but um but yeah i think for the for the reasons we talked about with episodes like collaborators and crossroads and all the other ones, um, that makes up for some of the shortcomings. Um, and then in terms of awards, I mentioned some kind of, as we went that like Exodus had Emmy awards, um, for visual effects. Um, Mm -hmm. Edward James Olmos, um, got an ALMA award, um, as outstanding actor. Um, and some Saturn nominations um, for the show itself, um, but also for Edward James Olmos, Katie Sackhoff, and James Callis. Um, and James Callis got um, a nomination for a Scream Award for um, the character you love to hate, which I think is the kind of the best <laughs> award for Baltar to get. Um, sure. And then I think I mentioned, too, um, that the the two openers of Occupation and Precipice were the only episodes that Ron Moore wrote himself for the season. Um, and they got nominated for the Writers Guild Award. Um, so I don't know why he only wrote two episodes, but the ones he wrote were very good. Um, so he got sort of recognized for that. Cool. Um, Anything else that's kind of other themes? We were kind of thinking of it as, like we said, these are more the things that are ongoing strands that are more so set up for the final season. Um, Like you mentioned Hera um, and kind of bringing her back in and the general Mm -hmm. idea of getting past the mistake that was settling on New Caprica back to the kind of first principles of we're hunting, we're on the search for earth and that's really what we need to be doing. And we need to focus on that and follow our marks and have a plan and be working toward that. Um, So these are kind of things that are setting up where the story is going in the last season, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, final five um, is another one there, right? So we've got, four of them mm-hmm. and I mean I guess yeah like okay we don't <laughs> technically know that Starbuck isn't one but we know that Starbuck isn't one. <laughs> so like right
1: in the narrative of the show we don't know what Starbuck is and she could be one of the final five
0: right um and yeah, I mean like there's sort of a cliffhanger here too, right? Because we've got the this reveal, we've got the Cylons and you know, yeah, not really sure what's gonna happen next kinda going on here. Um yeah, I don't I mean without getting into like future things that happen, like I did you have anything 'Cause I did didn't you want to say something about like production for season four or
1: Yeah, well, really quick before I do, um, I also had a couple um kind of behind the scenes notes about the final five. Um how they kind of went about writing them and um they talked about kind of as a group in the writer's room putting all the characters up on a board and sort of debating <laughs> and duking it out to see who would be the final five and choosing you know, the ones Mm -hmm. they thought would be the most interesting. So when you kind of, you have your group, it's kind of interesting to think about that. Um, And then um, the way, I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of this. We can maybe talk about it as it goes, but the way that um, reactions of the characters are informed by reactions of the actors becomes kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. thread. Like when you hear some stories about like, not everybody was pleased by the fact that they were in the final five, which some of them were. Like, um, I think uh, Rekha Sharma, who plays Tori, like she's thrilled because, hey, I get more to do. You know, like to so the idea of I'm one of the <laughs> sure. final five is hey, like- I'm important It's now. a promotion, you know, like, whereas I think sure. for like Ty and Tyrell, Who've been on the show from the beginning had these really extensive character arcs where they've been thinking of themselves as human members of the Cylon-hating human fleet, um, to suddenly mm. throw them a wrench this late in the series and say, Oh, psych, you're one of the final five. That kind of throws a problem into your whole actorly process. You know, <laughs> it was like suddenly. You've been given a whole new set of motivations to work with. Um, So they weren't necessarily quite so excited about that and even argued the point with Ron Moore and had to be sort of convinced and strong-armed into accepting it. Um, And I think one of the things that's interesting in the next season is seeing some of that conflict come out in the characters of how they Mm -hmm. start to process that information. Um, Sure. And then I just heard a funny story about um, Aaron Douglas, who played Tyrell in particular, that he probably sneakily saw a piece of paper he wasn't supposed to like months in advance and knew that he was going to be one of Mm -hmm. the final five, but couldn't say anything because he wasn't supposed to have seen this particular document. Um, So he would walk around for months and call Ron Moore and say, so anything happening with the chief anytime soon? And Ron Moore would say, no, no, everything's pretty much the same. And he'd have to hold his tongue for another month until he could ask Mm -hmm. again. So um, just kind of funny that they were keeping it so secret, even from the actors, um, like until it was like time to have the big reveal and everything.
0: Well, that's like, I mean... And I guess they're even, like, more elaborate now with shows like that. Like, with The Walking Dead and Negan, where they, like, filmed, like, every character multiple, So right, that, like, right. you know, nobody knew which char- character or characters right. would be the one to actually right. die. Right. And, um, well, didn't
1: they do the same thing with um, the first season of Broadchurch? They didn't tell them who like who 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 done it so they had like betting pools amongst the actors of like and it would change on a weekly basis of like from script to script who would sort of who got weighted in the pool of likely suspects Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean and i guess that has to have some sort of method acting effect to suddenly you know whereas like If Ty or whoever suspected anything, he would play Mm -hmm. it a certain way. Whereas if you kind of keep him in the dark and then, okay, his, his shock and anger and confusion mirrors how Ty is feeling. Um, You know, the fact that they kind of give him this big twist that he doesn't want that has to suit your, your acting, I would think. Um, sure or at least I mean, in theory yeah. um so
0: it seems like it would to me but i you know, i'm not an actor so
1: at least for method actors um that would you know kind of enhance the feeling of surprise um sure so yeah um okay and then looking ahead to season four just a couple production notes because um it's kind of a weird season. So there's basically a full year between the end of season three and the start of season four kind of proper. Um, It's like March of 2007 to April, 2008. Um, So it's a big long gap. Um, And then, Mm -hmm. so we have Razor, which we're going to do next, which technically is episodes one and two. Um, But I think that was in November. Um, So Mm -hmm. that kind of, sits about halfway between them. Um and is like a TV movie that doesn't quite continue the storyline, but gives some backstory and kind of plants some seeds for the future and everything. Um, so with season four, um, you know, they got renewed for the season, and then I think subsequently announced that it would be the last. And I cannot, for the life of me, find my source for this. So I can't verify that this is true. I might be making this up. But I remember somewhere Ron Moore saying that he decided to end the show intentionally, not ahead of time, but out of response to the uncertainty of would there be a season five or not? Like my memory is that Sci-Fi Channel kind of told him let's do season four and then we'll talk about season five. Whereas he had a sense mm-hmm. that I'm getting into the end game of the series here. And I don't want to find that it's going to be canceled on a cliffhanger. So mm-hmm. if you can't give me a firm yes or no answer, then why don't we just go ahead and wrap it up, you know, with, with sure. season four. Um, which you can see that they're getting into the end game. I don't think... It's not like he would have gone on for 10 more seasons or anything, but like... Right. But because it's like they're bringing back Rosalind's cancer. They're introducing the final five. They're showing the route to Earth. Clearly, it's going to end soon. Um, But he kind of made the decision to end it in season four in order to feel like he could finish the story that he wanted to tell.
0: Yeah. Um, he ran out of slice of life
1: that the time. <laughs> He he thought, well, maybe we don't need the filler um and it's time to sort of start you know, wrapping this up. Um mm-hmm. and so the other weird sort the, the main weird aspect of season 4 is that um it gets interrupted by the writers strike. Um so sure. so We're there right. are so okay, so if we don't count Razor um there's 10 episodes before the strike and 10 after. So it splits like right down the middle. Um, And although I think the first 10 and then the one right after the strike were the ones that were written before. um, And then they went on strike and then they came back and filmed that one episode and the rest of um, the series. So they had, again, basically a year in between. or they weren't on break for a year, but there's a break, there's a year break in the transmission. So it kind of allowed them to regroup in terms of the writing. Like maybe they had a basic plan and outline, but they actually, after the strike, had another little writer's retreat and kind of regrouped and said, all right, you know, maybe they identified some flaws in their system and really focused on what they wanted to do. So it kind of makes the two halves not feel totally separate, but, like, I think maybe we can see, like, ways in which they are very much two halves, and they're not quite... I think you can kind of see that they weren't all of one piece, that there was a little bit of a break and some reconfiguring. Um, sure. So... um So yeah. So we'll get to that. And, um, you know, the first half of that season four ends on a doozy of a cliffhanger. So we'll get to talk about that. And I'm glad I wasn't watching the show live at the time because you would have had to wait a really long time to find out how it resolved if it did, you know, that like that could have been the end of the series. Like what if
0: What if they'd gone on strike and
1: then sci-fi had canceled the show or something? Um, You know, so it kind of adds an element of unpredictableness to the season, I think. Sure.
0: All right. Well, so we're doing razor. And so we're just doing the whole razor, right? I think
1: so. I mean, I think it's kind of cut together as a movie, like,
0: Maybe it's like an
1: hour and a half or two hours altogether. Like it's kind of a little TV movie. Um, And I want to say that it's one of the um, slightly extended ones on the DVD. So that's, I think if we have, if I'm right about that, I guess that's the one that we'll watch and talk about.
0: Sure. Makes sense. All right. Well, and uh, we'll be back with some more
1: uh, Buffy next week. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. See you then.